Oh my God, guys, seriously, I feel so official when I talk into this microphone. Like, I feel like the next upcoming pop star. Does anyone else feel like that? <laughs> you are, Casey. You thank are the you. next oh, upcoming you. pop star. Let me pass yeah. my vocals. Just kidding. <laughs> I wouldn't do that to anyone. <laughs> uh, I love it. Um, disclosure to everybody. I have a six month old puppy golden retriever. Her name is Molly and she's snoring right next to me. So (laughs) wait, Laura, you actually like need to move her because it's really loud. (laughs) I woke her up. She's awake. (laughs) Laura, would you like to start us off? Yeah, welcome everyone to the Flourish We Grow Together podcast. I am Laura Di Francesco, the founder and CEO of Flourish Coworking Space here in Westchester, Pennsylvania. We are all working remotely right now in the midst of coronavirus, but Lindsay's on the West Coast anyways. Yes, hello. This is Lindsay, the co-founder of Flourish Coworking Space. And I am Casey, the community manager of Flourish Coworking Space. And today we're going to be talking all about our financials for Flourish, how we mapped it out before we even started the business, and then how we have done so far. And we're also going to be talking about coronavirus and what's going on right now with our business, our lives, ourselves, all the things. Especially because coronavirus has a huge impact on a lot of small businesses right now. We want to be super open, transparent, and talk about like what we're doing and how it's impacted us, especially because we just opened up in January. So we're going to get into all the nitty gritties. Yeah. So before we opened up in January, we'd put together a whole business plan and financial plan and modeled it out. And there were several different models that we did, a best case scenario, a worst case scenario, and a moderate case scenario. And we put that financial plan together in order to determine whether we even wanted to start the business. So this was in our business plan before we even like started getting out the tools to remodel and everything like that. We, we created an actual business plan as if we were going to like pitch it to someone, which we did pitch to someone, um, our dad, hashtag dad. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, but we did want to go through all the steps to really like sort out what it would look like. And what we created was the pro forma. So if you're familiar with with the business plan and the lean startup method, you create a pro forma, which is your financial projections for, it's typically like one to three years and you do three different scenarios for it, or at least that's how we did it. Yeah. I've done a lot of startup work, um, private equity work with clients and I always find that seeing best case scenario, worst case scenario, and moderate case scenario come to be more actual financials than if you just put together one scenario and say, yeah, this is what we're doing. And typically it's a shoot for the moon type of scenario where you have no past experience and you assume that you're just going to be taking on great market share. (laughs) So I think that this was more... And this was just the more realistic approach to financials planning. Yeah. And I think that that's super important is to be realistic. When you're creating your financial plan, you're the one who's inputting the numbers. So be realistic on what your expenses are going to be and be really realistic on what you think your sales will be. 
um, if you test out your model to begin with, so if like you test um, the waters before you actually jump into the full investment, and that could look like before you actually open up a store, you maybe started an online store to test test the market and see if your offering is something that people actually need. So if you test out the model first, then that'll give you a better idea of what you can put into in terms of like what your sales numbers will look like. But just keep in mind, be realistic. That's why you have a worst case and then a middle case and then a best case because you want to be realistic with these numbers. With that said. So after, <laughs> go ahead, Laura. Because after the pro forma, we actually like outlined when we started in January like we mapped out our actual expenses. Is that where you're headed? Mm-hmm. And we had come up with actual, we had come up with pro forma expenses and pro forma um, revenue and everything. And our initial expenses that we had come up with was 23 grand. And we were way off. That's what we thought. That's what we thought the buildup <laughs> and the buildup to opening would be that's what we projected. Our remodeling costs were ten grand, and we spent that in painting. Granted, we shouldn't have spent that in painting because the person quoted us half. But yeah, it, our initial projected expenses were way, way, way under what the actual was. So it probably ended up costing between seventy-five grand and a hundred grand. We haven't. I haven't, although we have the numbers, I haven't looked at the exact figure for how much it actually costs to start up Flourish. The remodel can cost considerably more than I expected. The kitchen particularly, I think, was one of the biggest expenses. Mm -hmm. And it's also just all the little things that add up. All the little things that you have to get, like you have to get an entire case of nails, even though you only need like two of them. You know, like small things like that that add up. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have a budget for plants in here, and I'm not sure why. Cause that was quite an expense as well. And then, of course, furniture and everything. But and then also, I I did we didn't include in our pro forma all of our employee time, all of our labor time, which I think was probably one of the biggest expenses. Hundred percent. Because at one point, we we all like we're all hands on deck on Flourish and no one else was really contributing to the other businesses that we have um, because we put that deadline for January and then we were like, okay, we're going to throw all of our resources into this so that we can like get there by the time that we need to. Yeah. Would you guys suggest that people like pad their startup budget, like maybe pad it by 10% or something just for those unexpected things? Yeah. I would even pad it by 30% or 40% because I think no matter. Yeah, I was going to say, pad that bitch as much as you can. So I think no matter what you do, you're probably going to underestimate costs for startups because there's just very few ways that you can think of every single expense you're possibly going to have. There will always be unexpected expenses. So that's something important. The other thing that's important, though, is even though you might not be accurate with your pro forma, it's important that you do it because it does get the wheels turning in terms of thinking of the costs that you can have, even if they aren't all of them, and the revenue projections that you have. And 
understanding that and it's at least moving you forward to actuals. Your pro formas are almost never going to be exactly with your actuals. So it's still an important step that you do, even if it ends up being wrong. And just know that make sure that whatever risks you're taking in your business are risks that you can handle too. Because, you know, we could have probably stopped expenses much sooner than we did because there were things that we didn't necessarily need to spend money on, although we got it down to the essentials as much as we could. But we were also consciously doing that because we could afford to do that and we weren't spending money that we didn't have. That's good um, advice. And I feel like it's, you know, I feel like I watch like a lot of like renovation shows and I feel like a common thing throughout is that they're always over budget. So I feel like if you do kind of map everything out and get as specific as you can and then allocate for potentially some unexpected. I feel like that lessens the blow at the end. Um, Or maybe it's like a pleasant surprise too. I also have a question like when you're, maybe we'll get to this later on in the episode, I'm not sure. But when you're projecting your profitability, are you guys looking at, did you look at competitors to do that? Did you gauge from your social media presence and the excitement from there kind of because I know you were talking about Lindsay like testing your audience was that kind of like testing your audience testing the water seeing people's excitement and then kind of basing your profit off of that does that make sense definitely Laura do you want to go first sure so in terms of profitability what we did was we put together all of the expenses that we thought of and even though our initial expenses are off, our monthly expenses are spot on, which is really funny. So our monthly projected expenses are spot on and our revenue, as we'll discuss, is off. But we came up with a reasonable expectation of revenue um, and a reasonable expectation of expenses. And so that's how we came up with profitability. So we broke down our revenue by all of the different types of income that we could have for the various types of services that we offer, such as passes or um, memberships, events. Exactly. And so that's what we did in terms of revenue and expenses. I do think that if you can find industry information, that's helpful and I think that would have been helpful for us as well. Although I think that even with industry information, it's going to give you a bit of a false sense of security that you know what the numbers are going to be. And truly, you will never know what the numbers are going to be until you actually experience the business and growth. I think if I could give anybody a tip of advice when thinking of profitability, don't expect to get to a break-even point if you have significant expenses until at least six months in, because it's going to take time for you to start generating revenue and generating exposure. Definitely. We didn't do a comparison, but I think it's also different for Flourish because there's so little in the market right now that it would have been tough. But I think what we did do is think realistically, okay, our space fits this amount of people on a daily basis. If we have this many people come in and they have X, Y, and Z memberships, then like what will that total out to look like 
So we were constantly thinking about where we were generating, like what was the realistic number for where we would be generating these numbers and like what stream it would come from and then adding those up to our revenue. And then we would, and then we knew our expenses and you find profit from revenue minus expenses. So I feel like we should talk about, so we talked about the pro forma, but after that, for in terms of financial planning, we also did a 2020 planning meeting in the beginning of the year for Flourish. And we also did it for Dean Street Law. And I kind of want to talk about how we did our yearly planning for financials. Cool. Got it. Yeah, go for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So basically. Give them all the numbers. Okay. So basically we found out what our, we started out by figuring out our expenses per month. So that was literally just a conversation between me and Laura saying like, what are we spending money on? And most of it is um, payroll. And then there's also like all the memberships that we have for like MailChimp or our website or Canva or Adobe. Um, And then our actual supplies. So we totaled all that up. And for Flourish each month, we are around $16,700. So... We totaled that up into yeah, but that includes go ahead. But that includes paying off the initial investment, almost as if it was a loan. That was my personal investment for my own funds. But we include in that, I think four grand a month, almost of paying down that close to hundred grand initial investment. So our actual expenses on a go forward basis are really closer to 12 grand, which is actually spot on with what our pro forma was. Mm -hmm. And then we added in that, that payment back to Laura for funding and that's in our expenses as well. So we totaled that up. Yeah, Laura, you're right. I think that we accounted for a hundred grand for paying back um, the initial investment. So we, our goal was to pay that back in the very first year. And if we want to, we can always go back and edit that. But I think that's still like a good place to be at. Um, and then we added up all of our expenses for the year, including that initial investment, and that came to two hundred grand. So based on that, we decided how much we wanted to profit in the year, and we came up with well, wasn't it like nine ninety nine thousand? That was our goal for profit. So we added that into our so we added our expenses and our goal profit, and then that's how we came up with how much we need to generate in revenue in order to get that profit because profit is revenue minus expenses. So the revenue that we need is 300. This is kind of nice because they're actually like relatively simple numbers, but our revenue goal is around 300,000. Our expenses are around 200,000. So our net profit would be around 100,000 because revenue minus expenses equals profit. So then after that, we broke it down month by month. And before we broke it down month by month, we thought we divided each month into a percentage of our total revenue. So typically with typically with co-working spaces, our summer months are going to be less revenue generating than than other months because people go on vacations. It's summertime. People aren't in the office as much. So we factor that in and then also factor that around Christmas time, people wouldn't be in the office as much. And then also factored in that during the beginning, we would still be growing. So January through April are going to be like a a growing phase. 
So we divided each month into a percentage of that revenue and then took that, figured out how much each month would be in a percentage compared to our total revenue goal. And then that's what gave us our revenue goals for each month. So our total profit for some months is actually in the negative, but it's made up for the fact that in other months when we're doing better, it's larger. Am I explaining this okay? Yeah, I think you really are. And I think what's important to think about too in that is that we really had a ramp up period. So just to give an example, January revenue target was 5,000. February revenue target was 10,000. March revenue March revenue target was 20,000. So for the first two months, we projected we would be at a loss. And for the third month, March, last month, we projected that we would be at a profit for the first time. It's not just a straight curve. It's actually something that fluctuates over time. So each revenue target for each month goes up and down and up and down and up and down depending on what we expect for consumer demand, events, where we expect our target audience to be spending money and what months we expect them to be spending more money versus less money, when school's in, when you know school's out, all of those different factors that impact our revenue expectations. So whatever you're doing for your business, make sure that you have a ramp up period. Make sure that you account for months where you're not going to be profitable because you have a slow month because there will always be slow months. And also make sure that you have your revenue fluctuating in tandem with actual life, whatever that may be and however that may impact your business. Mm Mm-hmm. So basically to summarize, we talked about what we did and then so far we've done the pro forma, which is like a three-year projection. And then in the beginning of the year in January, we did a 2020 planning, which is a one-year projection um, slash like goal setting. And then from there, we broke it down from each month. So Casey and I slash Laura, well, actually it's kind of all all three of us. Casey usually starts it out because she's the community manager. She knows the most about like what's happening on the ground. But um, we'll go into each month and we have our revenue goal for that month and we'll break it down to the to the different income streams that we have. So we set a goal for how many passes we need to sell. We set a goal for how many memberships we need to sell. And we set a goal for how much like how much event space we're going to sell. So that's how we come up with our monthly goals And then from there, we have a monthly check-in at the end of the month, every single month. (laughs) And Casey will summarize where we actually are, where we actually end up. And then we can use that information to like better the next months and do a better projection for, um, for the future months that we have. Yeah. So it's like really great to see when you're doing it as like last month in review, you can see like, oh, okay, like we projected that. For events, we were going to do $1,000, but we really ended up at like $1,500. So then when you're going in the next month, you can goal yourself a little bit higher than where you were last month before. And then you can see kind of what's working. Um, And then you can strategize for things that aren't working. So I'll always put like an opportunities section and then break it down by each revenue stream. Like Lindsay was talking about like events um, memberships passes and like what we can do 
for each stream to potentially try and increase it for the next month. And it makes it nice and easy because breaking it down in little things, you're looking at smaller numbers. But then at the end of the month, it ends up if you're focusing on little things, hopefully it'll, you know, get you to a bigger number. So maybe like for passes, we'll see that we were down a lot last month. So we're going to decide to run a promo for the next month, or we're going to market it more on our Instagram. So we can kind of strategize like that when we're breaking it down monthly and by each category. And that's a really, really critical step in the process. You come up with these targets, you come up with these pro formas, and then you need to figure out where your opportunities are to work and you need to put in the work to get there and to hit those revenue targets. So once you have your targets broken down by category, brainstorm every single idea that you have on how you can hit those targets, what you can do to push towards those, and then start focusing and narrowing those down on to the best opportunities, the highest impact actions, and work from there. And that's truly your to-do list. That's really where you bring your annual and your strategic planning financially and strategically down to a daily effort and daily to-do list. And that's what's driving all of our time. Totally. I love, I think that that, and I really urge anyone who's not doing this, it's like not the cute part of being a a business owner. It really isn't, but you don't know what you don't know. And this is something that can really like be easily put to the side, but you can dig yourself in such a deep hole just because of the fact that you aren't seeing an overhead view of where the money is and where the money is going. And you just have to have a pulse on it. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And like it, it lets you know where to focus your energy and like what what's working for you, what's not, what needs to be re-strategized, what you need to like continue to go forward with. It helps you eliminate things, you know, stuff 100%. like that. And, and if you guys have any questions, obviously like come to Flourish when we're open. You can message any of us and we would love to help you. I feel like this is just such an important part of business. And I know that a lot of people forget to do this because they're so busy doing all of the busy work, you know? So make that time for you and your, um, and like your business partners or whoever you work with or for yourself where you can really just sit down and like do your financials. It's really important. And especially because right now what we're dealing with the pandemic, we we're not doing hottest business right now. Like being completely honest, we're definitely like not doing good on flourish but it has made us open up our eyes and say, okay, well, we're not going to stop business. We're not going to stop trying, but where can we like change our direction? And I feel like this is kind of segueing into like our next topics, how just because that this pandemic is happening and it's so tragic, especially for a lot of small business owners, we don't want to just like stop in our tracks. We need to look at our financials, see where all of our income streams are and see how we can pivot to keep generating that momentum. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we focused on heavily. I know that it's been distracting having everything going on. I think particularly the first two weeks were really difficult to focus and We've had very positive energy from the beginning, but what our biggest focus has been is laser focus on 
moving forward on growth and direction and where we want to be and how we envision our business in the future, which has honestly changed from what we originally envisioned. But we have been so focused on that, we haven't had time to worry or think about the negatives. And really, truly, this is the first time I'm like, you know, focusing more on the financial aspect of it, because quite honestly, the way I think about it is that it is what it is. Business goes up, business goes down, the economy goes up, the economy goes down. This may be one instance, but it would have happened no matter what in any circumstance. And you wouldn't be able to tell what it is. It could have been an economic downturn or something like that, that impacts your business, there will always be that something. So at this point, you know, we're talking about the financials and the losses that we've had, but that's not something that I've focused on because I think that's just quite honestly an aspect of business that if you're going to be a business owner, you have to prepare yourself for. Yeah. And I think that it's really awesome for Laura as a leader to take this standpoint because I think that if she were stressed out right now, I would be really stressed out, you know? So like, it's like almost like a domino effect where the leader feels a certain way. And then the employees feel that even stronger because not only like once my boss is worried, then I'm like, okay, I may lose my job, (laughs) you know? So I think that it's really helpful, the position and like the stance that you've taken on this far. Thanks. I think it was hilarious when you told me that Casey was like, if you need to lay me off, it's okay. I was like, (laughs) I literally texted Casey the next minute. I was like, Casey, I am not laying you off. You are fine. You're secure. (laughs) Oh my God. I know. No, I was bubbling up for whatever, you know, and I was like, We'll get through this together. I'll still be here. I can work for free. You know, I was like, I don't have a lot of overhead. I'm living at my parents right now. Like, it's all good. But no, I totally, (laughs) I agree with Lindsay. It's been like really great. And that's the tone that like Laura's, you know, had such a positive outlook on it. And it's really inspiring too, because realistically, like Flourish is still such a new business. Like it just opened in January. And for this to happen, three months in is like pretty devastating and we don't want to like breeze over this. Like this isn't completely devastating for a lot of small businesses because it is, but I really appreciate Laura saying like, you know, it is what it is. Like we can't really change anything at the moment. So we're going to try and do what we can to make the best of this time. And she's consistently said like, you know, in this time, like let's provide more value and visibility for the brand. So I feel like that's been what we're focusing on. And although it's not necessarily extremely like revenue driven at the time, but I think that we'll see that return in investment over definitely over the long haul, you know, I definitely will. And and I think that we are so better positioned now than we have been because we've created an online community. We now have a flourish. We grow together podcast. And I truly don't think that we would be here doing this if we hadn't had the pandemic occur because we had to scramble and think, what can we do to create value and visibility for our brand? And this is one of the ideas that we came up with. Mm -hmm. And also now we have our events online, which ultimately has been a blessing, actually. 
funny enough, like uh, having events online is something that we may continue to do after just because it's a lot more convenient and it works with a lot more people's schedule. So, And we also have recordings for those who can't make it. Our book club, our community online is now not just in Westchester, Pennsylvania. It's now global and anyone from across the world can join us, which I think builds a much more resilient brand in the long term. And so I think that everything that we have done makes our company so much more stable for the future, even though it's not necessarily revenue generating currently. And I think that we should actually get into like the nitty gritty of our actual revenue for the past three months. We're in April now. We started in January. Our January projection revenue goal was five grand. Our monthly expenses are 12 grand hard costs, 16 grand if you include paying off the investment. So we made just over three grand in January, our first month open. So we were under two grand from our revenue goal, and that was a loss of 13 grand. And then our revenue goal for February was 10 grand, and we ended up making 3,500 basically. So with 3,500 minus 16 grand, that was another loss of just over 13 grand. And then our revenue goal for March, when we had to close the doors for the coronavirus, was 20 grand. And our expenses were 16 grand. Our actual revenue was 1,800. So basically, it was a loss of 14,200. So at this point, we've had a loss of 26 plus four. So basically, 30 grand in the last three, in the last three months. Yeah. I would like to add on, I would like to add on that we were increasing month to month from January to February and we were on target for March to potentially hit our goal, but then coronavirus hit. So just a little. (laughs) We were doing so good. We were on target or exactly. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Oh, by the way, it's it's a loss of 40 grand in the last three months, not not 30 grand. I was like, wait, how did that happen? Yeah, me adding in the middle of a podcast episode. So it's a loss of 40 grand so far. <laughs> so I, but I want to be honest about this because I think everybody sees us shouldering it so well. And I think that that we have to be authentic and honest about what the numbers actually are and what we're actually going through because it's truly an act of mind over matter to focus so significantly on growth and positivity over what is going on. I truly believe so deep in my heart that where you put your attention, your energy goes. And where your energy goes, the world shapes around you. So if you put your attention on something positive, your energy will flow to that positive space and you will create a beautiful reality around that that supports that positive view. And so if you think about it, we focused on how we can create value and visibility. Our energy has been put there. We now have online communities, better offerings, more protection for our brand over the long term with more resilience, being a global brand. And then also we have the Flourish 
We Grow Together podcast. I mean, everything, we've had so many positive benefits of it. You really sometimes have to not think about the numbers because that doesn't necessarily determine your success or it's not always the best indicator of your success because it's just a historical number that shows what has happened. It doesn't show your future potential or what energy you're building for that outcome. I love that. And I think also like, you know, it doesn't have to look like starting a podcast or like maybe you're not feeling that right now just because you're feeling the weight of everything going on. But I think what we're really just encouraging here is, you know, just do do something to keep propelling your business forward like even if that's redoing your website right now with the extra time you have that you've been wanting to get around to or just those little things that you just haven't had time to do, you know, maybe use it as an opportunity for that. You don't have to be doing a bunch of big grand things, but, you know, just stay in the game with your business. You know, it's your passion. And, you know, during this time, even though we're being honest that there isn't a lot of revenue coming in at all, um, you know, we're just trying other things to kind of get through this in a positive way. Mm -hmm. And one of the big things that we did for our company was we repurposed our employees because payroll is one of our greatest expenses. And so that was something that I made a decision on the moment I heard about what was going on. Because one, we value our employees and that's super important. But two, there are so many things that we could do as a company And we have the employees to do it. So truly what I thought about when I heard this news was, okay, imagine this is day one, forget the past of being an entrepreneur. And imagine you not only have your ideas for the future, but you also have the team, you have the space, you have the resources, you have experience, you have everything that you have in this present day act as if the past has never happened, what would you do now? And I said, well, we would focus on value and visibility. We would grow our audience. We will be more resilient. You know, there are so many different things that you can think of that you could do to still chase that dream of yours, but in a different way. And I think it's incredible to be thankful for all of the resources that you have to be able to do that. And I think so many companies have been able to do that. Definitely. I love that. Should we talk about, because you were saying that we repurposed the team and stuff. Should we talk about kind of how our roles have changed during this time and stuff like that? Yeah. Why don't you guys go into that? I mean, I think for me personally, I was working um, in the space day to day. So um, now I've kind of shifted and I feel like I'm doing more backend things too, you know, now that I'm not really involved in any customer service day-to-day things and there's just not as much coming in with that. Um, we've just been, I've just been helping Lindsay with, you know, like blog posts and, you know, we've come up with a guide that we want to come out with. So working on things like that, a lot of things for Flourish podcasts, organizing and planning for this. So it has, you know, given me the opportunity to kind of work on more back end things. And I feel like I've learned new things too, because I've been, you know, helping with newsletters. So I didn't know how to do that before. And now I'm like learning those new skills. So it has been cool to kind of just learn a different side of the business instead of being um, just customer facing for the most part. So that's been super interesting so far. 
Definitely. And you've actually been killing it when you're working from home. Like you're super productive. Can you give any tips for people who are now transitioning to working from home? Oh, thanks. I do feel like, I think Laura's statement of it took like two weeks is so true. I feel like for the first two weeks, I was kind of like, you know, you're in a new space. It's just weird trying to get used to it. I've never worked from home except occasionally at my old job, you know, day to day here and there. But I feel like things that have really helped me is um, I have to work in my room because my parents are working downstairs. So I can't necessarily, I would say, you know, get out of your bed, sit somewhere else. But um, making my bed, staying in my bed, having my to-do list right next to myself, organizing my day. And I kind of have been doing it weirdly by like breaking up between mealtime. So I'll be like, okay, before lunch, I want to accomplish these three things and then I'll go make myself lunch. Oh my God, I do that too. It helps. It literally helps you just like, you're like, okay, I'm going to do these things before I get to go like make myself this lunch. You know what I mean? Yes. Whereas like before I was just eating my lunch, I'd just go grab my lunch from the fridge and eat it, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's really been helping me. And I think just taking like a little, you know, today I went and sat outside for 10 minutes because it's beautiful. And, you know, just change up your scenery if you need it or take a breather outside, you know, stuff like that. It's really been helping me. Definitely. That's awesome. And then, and Lindsay, how has your role changed? And then in terms of, yeah, in terms of my role, I think that it was more so just transitioning the team and making sure that the team knew what we were now going to focus on. So just because we're in this state, I didn't want anyone to like feel like this is like vacation time. Um, so just making sure that I'm, especially when we were first starting out on the transition, I was calling everyone multiple times a day just to like check in, see how they're doing, make sure that everyone's on track and just making sure that everyone knows that the focus now is value creation and visibility. So I kept repeating to everyone, I was like, value creation and visibility. What are you working on today? It's just after value creation and visibility, you know? So I think that that's how my role changed. But other than that, not so much just because I was working from home anyways, but I will say that I was traveling once a month home and now I'm not, which I like and I don't like. Like I really enjoy being there in the business, but I couldn't do that right now anyways if I did travel home um, where flourishes. But so it, it is different. I definitely feel more in a routine now that I'm home, but it's also kind of throwing me off. Like I feel like I get a good view of, working in the business when I do get to travel home and it gives me a different perspective. So I kind of am missing that, but it is nice to be back in a routine and and feel very stable in my environment right now. Love that. My routine has changed tremendously. So as founder and CEO of multiple companies, I've always been working on multiple companies. So I don't think that that has changed too much. I still work on Flourish in a different capacity now rather than hosting events. We're hosting virtual workshops, so we're preparing for that. We're doing the podcast, so I'm a part of that as well. And of course, I have Dean Street Law as well, and I have a lot of healthcare, distribution, pharmaceutical companies, as well as my other clients, so we have been tremendously busy. But I have been so much better about having a healthy routine that really energizes me. I wake up in the morning, I go for a run. I do think it's helpful that I'm not reporting to the office because even though I am 
in charge and the entrepreneur and the CEO, I still feel an obligation to be at Flourish in person a lot. And that can be very distracting um, because it's sometimes hard to focus on the work that I need to do for my clients That while I have employees there and visitors and everything, and I want to be able to say hi to them and everything. But ultimately, that typically results in me working really late hours until eight or 10 o'clock at night. And so without those distractions, I feel like I've been so productive because I've been able to really have amazing morning routines, go outside all the time. I'm working outside with a Verizon wireless hotspot. And I feel like if you don't have it, everybody needs one. I was thinking that you guys really need one of these as well because they're just so helpful. I work from the middle of the field. I work from the way far side of the – I'm on the farm right now. So I work by the garden. I work in the middle of the grapevines and the vineyard. I work on the, in the middle of the field by the corn. <laughs> I work outside off of the patio, just anywhere that makes me happy. Got a little bit of sun yesterday or two days ago, so I have to wear my sunscreen. But I don't know. It's, I've been thriving in this new routine. I really think that I need to find a way to make this my new normal because I have so much more energy and less stress than my typical routine of running at many different places, being at a bunch of different meetings in a day, and all of those things really zap my energy and make it hard to replenish. Definitely. I think that it's good because I think from this, you can take some lessons learned, not to like overbook your schedule, to make time for certain things. So I think that there is some good in this. And I think also because you mentioned that you're super busy with Dean Street Law, I feel like it's important to mention that we talked about Flourish's financials, which aren't where we had projected them to be, but Dean Street Law is actually booming right now. Mm -hmm. Which is amazing. And it also does provide security for us. So diversification was always very important for us. I wanted to create Flourish because I know that there will be times where Dean Street Law is basically where it fl- where Flourish is now because it's very project driven and it you know we have a bunch of different clients but they all of the work that we do is generally on a project by project basis so when a project ends then you have lulls in your income and of course if you're talking about a pass the bus test which we talked about on an earlier episode it doesn't pass the bus in that if something were to ever happen to me, we wouldn't have any income coming in. So we wanted to diversify for that reason. And now it's helped us in the opposite respect of Dean Street Law is booming, which supports Flourish. Cool. Well, can we, before we wrap it up, can we talk about just a little bit of our personal lives and routines of something that we've been doing that's been helping us adjust to this? outside of work and just lifestyle. Yeah, definitely. Laura, how about you go first? Yeah, go ahead, Laura. So for me, what's been tremendously helpful is getting outside every single day and honestly working less. I was working so many hours before and I really have hard cutoff times of going to bed by 10 p.m. So I'm usually 
off my phone and computer and done work by 8 p.m. at the very latest, but typically more like 6.30. And then I really have spent so much time outside hiking each day, and that has been so good for my mind, body, and soul. I love that. Um, Yeah, I feel like similarly, um, I'm a Libra, so I feel like this time has been – I've been super grateful because I feel a little bit more – imbalance with like personal time as well as work time. And I feel like when I'm at work, I can focus on work. You know, when I have my scheduled times and I'm mapping everything out for my day, I feel like I can focus on work because I'm not kind of missing like my personal time too. And I feel like I've also been spending, I like on a walk once a day with my family if it's nice out, which has been like beautiful. And um, I can work out a little bit later in the morning because I don't have to, you know, be in work at a certain time. So I feel like it's nice to be giving myself more rest and then waking up, getting my workout in and sitting down to start work. It just feels like a slower kind of morning and day. It just feels like, I don't know, more balanced. So I've been grateful for that. It's been good, a good routine for me. What about you? I definitely am so with you. I love how right now during this time, everyone has been spending so much more time going outside, I feel like. Yes. I think that it's really awesome. And I think it's because we're all trapped in our houses right now. So the only thing that we can do is go for a walk outside. So everyone's kind of prompted to do that right now. But I'm seriously loving it. I literally love it. We go for a walk every day with Rowan, usually either around lunchtime or after the workday is over, depending if I had a really busy day. But um, one thing that has been helping me is... Finding finding your flow and what that looks like is different for everyone. So for me, I'm definitely a night person. But that means that for me, when I start my day, I like to start it really slow. Shane and I have been doing 10 minutes of reading every morning, which he is not a reader. So this is like a magical moment for me. Um, But we've been doing 10 minutes of reading together every morning. And so I start my day off really slow, have my breakfast, and then I'll get into work. And then I always know that my second half of the day is so much more like churning and burning. So if I have big projects and big to-dos, I usually save them for the second half of the day. So I'll spend the first half of my day just um, doing a lot of checkups with the team and like project management, working um, on stuff inside the business to maintain it. And then during the end of the day, I'll work on like big projects that are like building up the business and everything. But I think that just finding your flow, like maybe you like to work with music on, maybe you don't like to work with music on, maybe you like to work outside, maybe you like to work in this one corner in your house, just find out what your flow is. And I think that that's really helpful. And then in terms of personal, I've kind of been taking this time to focus more on sweet green soul. So I feel like it's really nice that I've just, I don't know, that you can like take this time to tune inward and figuring out, like reflecting, setting those goals for yourself and looking at your life and figuring out what you actually really want to be spending your time on. Like now that we're all trapped at home, what are the things that we actually did want to do? What do we miss? You know? So, so I think that there is some good in it, but. And for everybody who doesn't know, Sweet Green Soul is Lindsay's vegan recipe Instagram. And if you are vegan or if you just want really, really awesome recipes that you're going to love no matter what you are, 
you should check out her Instagram because it is so delicious. That's where I get most of my recipe ideas from. And we're really spoiled because every time she comes home, we actually get to eat the food. So we we feel (laughs) grateful for that too. Yeah. If you're looking for any good plant-based recipes or now I've been talking about curly hair. And so if you want any tips on curly hair, some good plant-based recipes, come visit my page. Yeah. You can find me at Laura M. Francesco. You can find Lindsay at Sweet Green Soul. And you can find Casey at Casey Flu. And of course, follow us at Flourish Westchester so you can stay up with all the latest, hear about our online workshops. We have one on money management coming up next week. Linz, do you want to tell them all the details about the giveaway? Yeah. So also, if you rate or review our podcast, then send us a little screenshot of it and send us your social info. Let us know. And you're going to be entered to win one month free at Flourish. And we'll have everything linked in our show notes too. So you can check there and click, click on everything. Yeah. And make sure you include your social when you leave a review so that we can give you a shout out on the podcast. Thank you so much to, to everyone for joining us. Hope you have a great day. Thank you. Bye. Bye. everyone. We have such an exciting announcement. We are hosting the first ever Flourish Coworking Space Business Bootcamp. We have such a stacked lineup. It will be for three Wednesday evenings in May from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern, and we will be meeting virtually on May 13th. We'll be talking about business planning and leadership management. On May 20th, we'll be talking about marketing, sales, and strategy. And May 27th, we'll be talking about business, financials, taxes, and accounting. We hope that you join us and you can use the discount code WEGROWTOGETHER for 10% off until May 1st. We Grow Together will get you 10% off. You can bundle and save. So if you'd like to attend all three workshops, you'll get one session free and save $49. But if you can't and you just want to choose one or two of those, you can still use the code We Grow Together until May 1st to get 10% off. We will have all the information linked in the show notes. We hope that you join us. And if you didn't know and you've missed prior workshops. You can always find those in the Flourish co-working shop that we have linked in the show notes as well. You can do either the social media management workshop or the money management workshop. And if you're unable to attend the sessions that you sign up for, you will always have access to the video and you can even sign up for them after or get them after in the Flourish shop. So we hope to see you there and we hope you join us. Dean Street Law is our sister company. I'm Laura Francesco, founder and CEO of Dean Street Law. It's a corporate law firm that helps you with everything corporate law and has tons of free resources and guides on our website that you can find everything from protecting your company from liability, forming a startup, and the different types of entities, all the way to intellectual property and social media. So if you'd like some free information on the legal aspects of your business, head over to deanstreetlaw.com, and you can also find us on Instagram at deanstreetlaw. We provide a lot of free information, and always feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions. Thank you, everybody, for joining us this week. Thank you. 
Bye. Bye. Thanks, guys.